0: Welcome to the First Deal Show with your host, Caroline with a K. On this show, we're talking about investors' first investment property. Join me for a trip down memory lane as we hear the good, bad, and ugly of that first deal. Uh, your host here, Carolyn K with Ed Parco, who is a uh, a very multifaceted person, but he has a real estate jerky, real estate jerky podcast that he does locally out in California and he's on some other podcasts and he also owns a mortgage company. So welcome, Ed, thanks so much for coming on the show.
1: Oh, I appreciate it, thanks for having me. And can I just clarify what what you said? So basically, yeah. I, so I started in talk radio about three and a half years ago. It was August of 18, somebody brought me a show and said, hey, would you like to do radio? First thing I said was, do people listen to radio? Because at the time I didn't think anybody did, because I didn't. I listened to Audible, I listened to things like that. I never listened to actual radio. Come to find out, talk radio is huge. It is the biggest place. That's where a lot of the people say that's the last free place you can talk. And so we started the show. Almost four years later, we have such a following. I am so shocked and so, you know, it's amazing that people listen to the show. And I'm blessed at what we've been able to do. The whole show was brought out because of the Great Recession, right? You don't look that old, but I'm sure you were alive during that period of time. But from 2006 on, a lot of people saw their families lose their homes. And so the kids always thought, I I don't want to own a home because I saw what it did to my parents losing it. Well, that's the wrong statement. The only way for most people to build personal wealth is through home ownership. And so that's why it's so important to own a home. And that's why I started the show was to educate younger people. And how I did that is through that show I do the parents are usually ones listening because it's that demographic is you know 50 and older well they grab their kids and they tell them listen to the show i've had many kids call me and say my dad told me to listen to your show and and that's why i'm calling you because i've been listening to your show so it's important to get this educational stuff out there like you're doing with your podcast it's very important to get that out there and that's why i do so many different podcasts because i i'm a vet i help vets so i have one called helping the brave which has to do with once you take the uniform off, we're here for you, whether it's PTSD, whether you need help with transitioning into a job, whatever it is, we're here nationwide. I have a co-host, she's been helping me for a little over a year now. So, And then the other one, and I'll let you, uh, Inner Edison is my other one, which has to do with our greatest accomplishments come from our greatest defeats. I started that one because my coach told me I hate making mistakes and come to find out he was correct. And so that's all about our biggest accomplishments come from our biggest mistakes. And that's why I do that podcast.
0: Oh, wow. That's awesome. I'm the polar opposite. I just um, plunge ahead and make a lot of mistakes and then hopefully it pans out. Well,
1: (laughs) that's how it's supposed to be. According to my coach, (laughs) that's what you're supposed to do. Just don't worry. Just go make mistakes and figure it out as you go. Cause we, we get too stuck on the process, right? Yeah. Most of us. And then we never do anything. It's so important. And then you have the people who just do it. Um, it's funny because my coach's wife told him, he, or actually somebody else told him, you have a high, you have a higher I can than IQ, right? Basically oh, IQ, yeah. right. <laughs> yeah. So he yeah. just does it. He doesn't know any difference. And his wife called it that's his superpower because oh, he doesn't oh. care what people think. He just does it.
0: That's awesome.
1: Yeah.
0: Um. Cool. So, uh, the way that the show works is I'll. I asked all my guests to kiss me in the beginning, so we can get a little bit more comfortable, and then uh, we gonna we go into your first deal. Okay, so the first question that I asked all my guests is, "What was the first album that you purchased?"
1: First album I purchased. All right, so we're gonna go way back. This yeah. was a uh, Kiss Destroyer, and it was actually a, it was a eight track vinyl,
0: no, eight was... track. Oh, that's a first. Yes. So there I was had no
1: vinyl. Film. There was no vi- so there was vinyl, but they were all small records. So. That was like, you know, back in the day we were in Colorado and it was in the middle of nowhere. So it was easier to get the eight tracks than anything else.
0: Wow. Okay. That's awesome. So you checked the box for me because I wanted to get someone that had vinyl as like their first album. And then I got someone who has never bought an album. He just buys music like online because he was, Mm. you know. That's everybody.
1: Isn't that how everybody does it these days?
0: Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, I just couldn't believe that he's never had, you know, like a CD.
1: Oh, well, that's not vinyl.
0: (laughs) My friend. All right.
1: So my first CD was Billy Squire. So I
0: don't even know who that is.
1: Oh, he was. Yeah. Well, that's that's okay because you're older. But then my actual first vinyl I listened to that was in the big size was uh, ACDC Hell's Bells. Oh, nice. And you probably go, who?
0: (laughs) No, I know them. Um, Awesome. So what was the biggest challenge that you would say held you back from investing in real estate?
1: Um, not having parents who did.
0: Hmm.
1: Um, basically, when I grew up, um, we actually owned a piece of property in Colorado, 20 acres with a mobile home on it. And it was a mobile home because it was prior to June of 76. And then when we sold out to move back to California, they couldn't afford And that's the biggest issue that a lot of people have when you leave California, you end up coming, if you come back, you can't afford the houses anymore because you're not in the game anymore where the values are appreciated. And so when he came back, we rented. And so it took me until I was probably in my 30s to buy my first house, which is, which is the actually 31 is the average age for people to buy a home.
0: Yeah. I mean, that's fair. And I think that, you know, especially now with a lot of people living at home until they get married, um, that's a lot more common than people think
1: really because I kicked our kids out already. (laughs) I mean,
0: I plan to do the same with mine, but you know, for like, yeah. Um, Okay. So. so the first
1: house I bought, so that house was, and it's, and I'm not sure, but it was in Southern California because I was in the Navy for five years, five months at, in Camp Pendleton, Oceanside area, bought a house down in eventually in Rancho Santa Fe, lived there for many years, sold out and then, you know, moved back up the coast along the coast and ended up at, back in Northern California about 18 years ago.
0: Oh, wow. What, where in Northern California? I'm actually
1: in the central Valley, which is called Modesto. Okay. Most people don't know where it's at. Just it's below Sacramento. That'll help you out.
0: Gotcha. Uh, cool. And so what is something new that you learned or did during the pandemic that others might not know about you? Video. What do you mean, like recording video, oh, making videos? At, at
1: lives, um, doing video, doing everything. I never did video before the pandemic. Oh. It Was not something I did. Um, didn't do really do social media either. I've been in the mortgage industry forever. It was not I got my people from word of mouth and referrals. Wow. So it was all, you know, constant contact, those kind of things, but not actual, you know, I and this is how bad. I'm on Instagram, TikTok, I mean TikTok, and mm-hmm. I my and in the last year my followers on Instagram went from like 300 and something to over 25,000. So for me, my age, that's freaking amazing for what I've done in the last year. And it has to do with videos. And, you know, before the show, we were talking about StreamYard. Once I came across StreamYard how easy it was to go live and then they automatically go on to your YouTube channel and you just have to make a few changes and you're done. I that's changed everything for me.
0: Oh, wow. Okay.
1: I go live. Let's see. I put out 356 hours of content last year.
0: Oh my gosh. That's a whole year. Yeah.
1: Yeah. 365 so like days. An hour a day. Like an, basically yeah. it basically broke down to almost an hour a day. That's how much it was was. At that wow. no, it was three hundred and fifty-six, not hours, but pieces of content over a year. But out, you know, but it was at least some of them were thirty to forty-five minutes. You put it together. So basically, I go live three times on Tuesdays, two to three times on Thursdays. I do my radio show on Wednesdays, and then I might have a, a few other podcasts, my inner Edison podcasts in there also. But two of the lives that I do Tuesdays and Thursdays at three thirty Pacific is our Helping the Brave podcast that is just done on youtube linkedin and facebook live that's all we do it at we don't do it any wow. other way so that's how we record that one because we want people to tell their stories and have people reach out to them through facebook and other things and tell them how much they th- thanks for sharing your story thanks we're here for your brother sister whatever they are and that's why we do it that way and then we turn it it's on youtube and then we just finally uploaded everything through to Lipson, and now it's out everywhere
0: Oh, wow. That's awesome. That's really cool that, you know, I mean, I guess the pandemic forced people into learning new skills and videos. Definitely, I had the
1: best year, I best two last two years of my life with oh. video and business and everything else, just because the rate, I mean, the first year, last six months of the first year, we were so busy because the rates dropped so bad that, I mean, that was constant, this volumes of refinances. And, and it really, And I'm not trying to, I didn't like it. Cause that got me away from the people I normally like to help, which is people help buying homes. Right. Mm. It just, it took so much volume. I lost really good processors after that year and a half because they're like burnt out. Mm. They said they want to go work with kids. And I said, damn, this is really bad if you want to go work with kids <laughs> to me anyway. Right. Yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah. Awesome. Um, yeah. and finally, what is your favorite quote?
1: Um, Favorite quote. There's a couple of them, but um, if you treat your significant other like a racehorse, you'll never have a nag. Zig Ziglar.
0: You'll never. Oh, OK. <laughs> a
1: lot of people don't like that one, but I like that one because it just it, treat your other the other person in your life is, you know, like, you know, amazing and you'll never have an issue.
0: So Right. Yeah, that's wise words.
1: When Zig Ziglar said it. I didn't. I just repeated it.
0: Um, so what? And is- the other
1: one is our greatest accomplishments come from our greatest defeats. at Parco, so
0: nice. Um, so you're based out of Modesto, right?
1: California, correct?
0: Okay. And so, you know, tell us. Let's get into the nitty gritty of your first deal ever. So, the first piece of property that you purchased, or your first investment property, so.
1: So well, I back in, you know, I did it the wrong way in the beginning in 2006, I bought a bunch of investment properties and then we went through the, the great pandemic you know, a great recession, I should say. So I ended up losing those during that process, but then, and since then we've had multiple rental properties, but, um, I, what I like doing is helping, and I'm going to make this about other people. I like helping people help their kids buy their first property, but help them not just buy a single family home, but a. Fourplex or a triplex, and have them move into one of the units, buy it FHA with three and a half percent down so they can buy this unit that they'll never be able to do again. Because if they own a house, they got to put now 20 to 25 percent down on that. But if they go to, if they have their kids move in there and live in one of the units, you don't have to be there forever. You just have to be there for a while. And I've done this with multiple agents I know and their kids, and that cash flow they now have three years later is enough to pay for their other mortgage when they bought their single family home.
0: Oh, that's awesome.
1: Yeah. So but they're using it to pay down the property so that they can get it, you know, free and clear eventually.
0: So So you're saying that parent you help these parents so they buy second an investment property, then they put their kids in there and then they use
1: so I have their kids. So we all want to help our kids buy homes, right? Yeah. So but if you can get have your kid buy their first home so in a, a two unit, you know, duplex, a triplex or a fourplex, that's a, that's a regular FHA loan. So yeah. they can live in one of the units and they can take the rents from the other units to help them qualify. But they get in there for three and a half percent down, which is for every hundred thousand, that's only thirty five bucks, thirty five hundred dollars. I mean, not thirty five bucks, thirty five hundred dollars. Right. So on a three hundred thousand dollar, I'm not saying that you can find that, but on a three hundred thousand, that's ten grand. Right. That's yeah. so much cheaper than if you have to do 20 or 25% down. And, and most of those unit things, you have to put 25% down. That's a lot of money that people don't have. But then now you, you're in here because most people, when they buy their first house, they don't have a ton of kids. They don't have whatever. This works for the few bedrooms. Yes, they have the people that they get the rent from every day, but who cares? Then eventually a year or two years later, they if they're done or say it's five years later, now they rent out all three units, positive cash flow, They use now and go buy that house that they want to buy in the first place. But it's just a stepping stone to get the investment property first and then get the other one second. The other thing I help people do is a lot of people I know, I don't know where you live in New York, but in California, they live in the Bay area. They can't afford a house there. They rent, right? So I help them buy the second home. And a lot of people go, well, I don't even own my first home. How can I buy a second home? And on a second home, you only need 10% down. So it's like an investment. That's like a vacation home or that kind of stuff, right? It's only 10% down. Well, they, they're renting is their first home. Their second home is the house that they buy. So they'll it's, that's how it's looked at. Most people think that you got to have your first home before your second home. You don't.
0: Mm-hmm. So, I, I,
1: so I try to do it legally to make it the least amount of money they can have to put down so that they can buy the house. And, and cause I'm against slapping Uh, you know, 50% down on a house or 20% down on a house if you don't have to, because with our mortgage insurance, so cheap now. So usually a factor is like 0.25 on most transactions. It's, you know, 50 to a hundred dollars. Well, if you're slapping down another $50,000, how long does it take you to pay yourself back at a hundred bucks a month on that $50,000 I'm talking about? Are you following me here?
0: No, because um, no. you
1: look like, like Glaze. <laughs> All right. So if you're buying a house and say, say it's, we'll just use a number 300,000. easy number. Yeah. 10% down is
0: 30,000.
1: Yeah. 20% down is 60,000. Right. But if uh-huh. you can put, if you can only put down to 10% of 30,000, you're saving the other 30,000. If you put down totally what I just said, the full amount, it only saves you maybe $200 a month by putting the additional money down. Okay. But how long would it take you to pay yourself back that $30,000 at $200 a month? So that if you lot. divide $30,000 by $200 a month, that's going to be at least 15 years. Yeah. I'm saying cash is king. Keep the cash. Pay the extra $200. Even if you, ha- you have to take $200 bucks out of that thirty dollars for the next two years until you make enough money to offset it, that's still better than throwing it down just to save $200. Bucks because when you need that money, you can't get the money out of the house.
0: Nine I mean, times out of t- not, I'm sorry. Couldn't they just refinance?
1: But that's what I'm saying is when they really need the money, most of the time, somebody lost a job, or going through a recession, oh. or doing, you know, they're not working. Something happened when they really need to take the money out of their house because they're desperate is the times we can't get them the money. Well, wouldn't it be better to have that money put aside as a reserve fund for emergency purposes instead of slapping it down on the house?
0: Yeah, 100%.
1: Yeah, that's how I, I look at things differently than everybody else. So uh, when you come to me and say, I want to do this, first question is why? And I say, why? And then I ask why again, because that's when we finally get to that purpose. And then I show them the difference, how much it really doesn't make a difference. If they put that amount of money down, it's better for them to save it and they save it. And then they can go do another deal or do something else. Right.
0: Right. Yeah. Yeah. So then your first investment property, did you buy like a triplex, duplex or quad?
1: I said, I do it for other people. I didn't know about it back then. Nobody helped me that same way. All right. So we have, you know, we have cabins, we have other things. And then we bought 32 acres uh, two years ago when nobody wanted land here in California um, to build our forever home on. And that's our plan. So we're going to build our forever home. um, And then I'm helping my kids when they're ready to buy their houses. That's how we're going to do it the same way I just told you oh I see except for my son who's uh, the youngest one who's in the he's in the army up in Anchorage Alaska he's gonna be going to Colorado and he's got VA loan so he doesn't need our help so
0: how many kids do you have five total oh wow that's awesome I want to know it's <laughs> it's only but,
1: awesome when there's somebody else's and you don't have to pay for them. Average cost to get a kid from you know graduation in their life is two hundred fifty thousand. You know how many things I could have bought with five kids with two hundred fifty thousand each?
0: A lot of things, a few cars, yeah. really nice cars,
1: or some really nice houses or investment properties. You know, and that's you know a lot of people want to have a lot of investment properties, and I understand that. But what we just went through with the great, you know, I mean, with the pandemic, I keep saying great recession, but I meant the pandemic, people didn't make more uh, rental payments, even though they yeah. were working full time and they're supposed to, especially in California, which was the worst at giving everybody freedom to not make their payments, their mortgage payments or their rental pay- payments, even though they were working.
0: Yeah. It's the same in New and, York.
1: And the problem is I knew a lot of people had a ton of investment property to sold them all because they didn't want to deal with it anymore. Plus California passed a rent control, right? Which was unheard of for us. And the rent control, actually, all it has done is hurt the renters. So yeah. now every time their their lease comes due, it, their rent goes up. No mm-hmm. more is it, hey, you've been a great renter. And now you don't have to worry about your rent going up because you're such a great renter. We're not going to raise it. Sorry, we have to. Well, we're going to look elsewhere. Yeah, whatever. You're staying there. <laughs> you're not going to go move somewhere else because there, there's no houses to rent and there's no houses to buy.
0: Wow. Yeah. In New York, it's the same problem. We have rent control and um, people think that it's a good thing, but it really just hurts the people renting.
1: No, it, it's all whenever the government gets involved to help, they always hurt.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: unfortunately, because they don't understand what they're getting involved with. They did it to the mortgage industry in 2008 when they made all the changes because of all the bad loans. Well, those it wasn't us lending the money was a problem. It was the rating agencies who actually rated the bonds on those loans, how great they were that's who they should have went after,
0: because
1: mm. if they were rated properly, nobody would have bought used those loans programs.
0: I see. So, yeah. So when you say rater, what do you mean?
1: So basically, rating agency like a when um so when they were rating these loans, there's these bonds that they use to pay for the mortgage backed securities, right? So those mortgage backs those rating agencies when they rated it, they rated it as like triple A when it should have been rated as a D plus or D minus. And that mm-hmm. would have meant that the rate would be so much higher than what it was, the interest rate because of risk. So it would have been a riskier transaction. The rate wouldn't have been in the sixes. It would have been in the nines and nobody would have taken it. So, but they rated them wrong. Watch the movie, the big short. They kind of go into that whole thing about it.
0: Oh, okay. I'll yeah. check it out.
1: And that was, and that's, I don't know how much, you know, again, I, you look younger. Sorry. That's a good thing. But I don't know if you know why we went through in 2002 to 2006 and why we went through what we just went through and why there's a problem. I know you listened to the one show that you heard me on. I don't know if I talked about it on that show, but basically why we're in the situation we are now with the, with the shortage of
0: homes. Yeah, because they didn't build enough um, homes, right? Wasn't that part of it? There, it was cap, like they built the same number of homes per year, but our population has increased since then.
1: That's a little bit of the whole story. Mm -hmm. All right. So as I said in the beginning, I bought my first home when I was about 33, right? And I said the average age is about 31. Mm -hmm. And some people do it earlier. Some people do it later. But that's on average age. So if you go back from 2002 to 2006, they were building all these homes for people coming of age of 31. I mean, we've built the most homes we've ever built at at any time in in nation history. Um, One year was 1.5 million. The next year was 1.6 million. The problem is that when you go back 31 years, there's this thing called Roe versus Wade that came in that was the you know abortion thing that yeah. actually plummeted at birth rates for the next 10 years. So you fast forward 31 years, these kids aren't coming of age to buy houses. They're nowhere to be found. But we had these loan programs that allowed people to buy two and three homes. And these were all new homes, not existing homes. Everybody was going to housing all the new builders and buying two and three homes at a time. And then they would sit on them and do whatever. And this is also in that movie I said the big short. There's like guys talking to the stripper in I think in Las Vegas. And she's like, Yeah, I'm closing on my fourth home. He goes, You got four homes? She goes, Oh, yeah, I have three, you know, because she didn't have to qualify for them. Yeah. Right. So the whole thing fell apart. And now we have to absorb the homes that we built for the next six years. And then from 2010 to 2019, we only built 7.5 million homes, which is the same amount as we built from 1930 to 1939. So that's like the lowest in history. So, and so now that's why we're short homes, right? So they're saying we need to build 2 million homes a year for a decade to get caught up. And the other reason is because we're in the, like the fourth year of a birth rate expansion on top of all this other issues. So when people think there's going to be a bubble, their only bubble going to be is if you're blowing bubble gum, and uh, we'll keep on from there. I just thought of that. I'm sorry, um, but I, that's the issue. Is it the problem? Is we just and that's why the va- values keep going up and and inflate. You know the whole thing. I'm not worried about inflation causing the values to go up. That's nothing. It's just supply and demand. We have no. I mean, nationwide, I think listed the number of homes listed is the lowest we've ever had in history. I know, and then if you look right now, I was saying this, I don't know, last year, and I'm saying the problem, what we're doing right now by putting all these people in 2% interest rates is they're not gonna to wanna to sell the house they're in to buy their next one. They're gonna to wanna to stay put because just the same house at the higher interest rate is gonna cost them 500 bucks a month. You add the bigger house, now they're at a thousand and they're looking at, do I really need that extra room for a thousand bucks a month? I don't think I need to do that. And you were running into that. And that's happening now. I mean, pandemic, the last six months, everybody was out buying houses. Then the next year forward, we were down 12% in inventory from that one year of that six months of everybody, you know, eventually trying to sell their houses and buying new ones and moving out of California to Colorado and Utah and Texas and Florida and, you know, New York they're moving to. Um, and then you, which was okay because we needed all these people to buy these houses as people were leaving. We lost 700,000 people out of California. And I'm pretty sure probably, you know, 60% of them were, you know, 50% were homeowners because most of the people left were making between fifty dollars to $100,000 a year, which you couldn't afford a home here in California at that price point. And then retirees, and they were selling their house they've had forever. So the issue is we just, we have this problem where now we're 19% lower in inventory than we were last year, which was 12% lower than the year before when nobody wanted to sell their house during covid and now all new build homes are third is a third of the market. So all that what I was trying to get at with the interest rates, what I was trying to explain was because we haven't so low people don't want to sell the houses they're in. So that only leaves new homes to sell. And, and so existing home sales aren't are normally 85% of the market. That's down to 66% now. And that's going to keep going down further to where it's just the new builds. that are going to be out there, you know, 50% old and 50% new. And that's not a great thing because if you're in the business as a real estate agent or a mortgage person unless you work for that home builder you're, you're you you can you don't make any money out there. So there's a huge thing changing pretty soon here in our so, industry.
0: So do you think that interest rates will jump back up to like 10, 12%? No. No. Oh.
1: No, we're so we're interest rates today are pretty much where we were pre pandemic, yeah. which everybody thought, you know, in March of 2020, everybody thought the interest rate we had at that time was amazing. It was the lowest we've ever seen. And now, and then we go through, you see twos, and you know, and um, I think the lowest VA got somebody was two and a quarter. Wow. Um, but now we go fast forward, that's three and an eighth, right? And everybody's like, oh my great rates are so high. The rates aren't high. When I got into this business, I was taking people from 13 to nine and they love me. Now, if I tell them they're getting a 3% or three and a half, I'm taking advantage of them. <laughs> so rates are going to go up, but what the Fed does has nothing to do with mortgage rates. Do you understand that? No. Um, you kind of look glassy on your face. that You're like, you don't understand that. Basically, what the Fed does is the overnight rates to banks credit cards, so they do the prime rate, that that affects that. The the mortgage-backed securities occasionally run the same way than when the Fed, when they you know lower or raise, they run in the same pool and run the same way across the thing and just happen to go that way. When the Fed first adjusts here soon in March, interest rates will go down because they go, okay, the Fed's trying to fix the fact that we have inflation and we're moving forward, so there's not a fear in the market right now. Excuse me, talking too much. So the fear, so that's mortgage-backed securities and all that stuff has to do with, they fight for the same dollar as the stocks and bonds do. So that when there's fear in the market, they go into the mortgage-backed securities and long bonds. When there's not a fear, they go into stocks. Hold on a second. Sorry, like I said, talking too much today. So the issue that we're going to see is rates will go up but we're also because of how much money we spent through the pandemic and all that money going away we're going to we're going to hit a recession here in the next you know in 20 end of 22 beginning of 23 into 24 and then we're going to see interest rates plummet supposedly when I'm being told that we're going to see rates lower than we've ever seen before
0: really yeah
1: somehow they got to pay for that debt that debt servicing that we have of 30 trillion dollars is like millions a month
0: Oh, wow.
1: Yeah. So there's a lot of stuff going on here that we're even, you know, I, I thought maybe we see 5%, but when I'm being told, we're not going to see that, but I think we're, and they were talking, <coughs>
0: I'm
1: sorry. A comment on a day I was talking too much. Um, I don't see that issue happening. I, you know, us going too high. We are going to go higher. They said by the end of the year we're going to be like 3.75 we're almost there now Hmm. but that's you know it's just all relative it's about fico score how much you're putting down all that kind of stuff with your rate is so but long story with the appreciation we're going to see over the next 10 years because of lack of inventory it's still a great time to buy
0: so would you recommend for people looking to buy their first investment property to just go out and do it
1: or their first home Uh (laughs) i reckon buy real estate anytime you so ask someone asked me when's the best time to buy the moment you start thinking about it Mm. because you should start planning for your future and most people don't have 401ks or 403bs or iras but you can go buy a piece of real estate and watch that thing appreciate over time yeah because if we even get back to normal appreciation which is five to six percent that we normally have that's you know over a five-year period that's for most houses, that's 120 grand. So it's, yeah. yeah. And that's the other thing we're going to run into is at what point does it become so expensive that people can't afford homes?
0: Hmm.
1: But if you go back to when I was a kid, it was a long time ago, Um, my parents, I remember they couldn't afford, you know, I remember in the 80s, yeah, late eighties, my parents bought a house here in Modesto for $80,000 and they had to go to so many different banks to get approved. They couldn't afford it. Well, I mean, that's because they didn't make that much back then. Now we're making so much more money and houses are more expensive and that's the, we just keep making more money. You know, what is the average hour now is up to 20 bucks an hour, even though it's minimum wages at this. Now people are paying 20 bucks an hour at Starbucks now. Mm-hmm. So it's going to get to a point where that's inflation is raising our income and then that offsets what we're doing, but it's still so much better. If you if you look at the rents and how they want went up over the last 20 years, right? In 40 years, if you're somewhere in here, you could keep your mortgage payment at that and it's not going to go up anymore, right? Yeah. So that's the purpose of buying a house is you're 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 locking in where you're going to be at for as long as you live in that house. Right. right? The only yeah. thing that changes occasionally maybe insurance goes up, taxes might go up and if you're impounded that'll adjust your payment, but if you want security, buy the house, don't rent. You know and that's what a lot of people say you know working for some company gives you security no there's no security working for a company any moment they can say oh you know we're having trouble we're gonna lay off by <laughs> same with renting right yeah 60 in worst case scenario if there's rent control in 60 days i'm kicking you out right but they have no and then you gotta go try to find something out it's that current market rate which is so much higher than what you were maybe were paying because of the so yes buy if you can did I answer your question? Along, finally get there. I apologize.
0: No, no, no worries. Um, so, what's the one piece of advice that you would give to um, a newbie real estate investor, or someone just getting into the business? Besides, buy. Uh, uh,
1: um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's a hard one because you know when you because you're talking investment property, buying your first investment property. I assume they already own their home.
0: No, no, not necessarily. Like, I don't own my home, but I own investment properties. Do you? Yeah.
1: Is that because you live in some places too expensive?
0: Um, yeah, well, I wanted to buy here, but then I changed my mind because I didn't know if I was going to rent in New York or like, you know, I want the flexibility of like, I'm sick of this place. so I'll go somewhere else.
1: Okay, but if you're sick of a place, you can always rent it and go buy another place. So you just killed your own logic yeah um, no i know, I know. A place all right so the the whole statement is if you buy a place what's the worst thing you have to do is rent the place and yeah. even if you're at a negative of a couple hundred bucks a month it's going to be a positive on taxes so there's so if you can't do it so basically piece of advice if you can't do it yourself get your family involved get somebody else involved with you to help you buy this property and split the and split it with you so that you can get in the game there's a lot of people who There are REITs and certain things out there where you can put $25,000 in and and own some property. You own parts of property, right? Um, Put a few hundred thousand dollars in to own other stuff. There's all these new stuff that's coming out. What's called rent to, uh, it's uh, built to rent. They're building whole housing complexes. The Mm -hmm. whole thing that they normally would sell to individual families to buy, they're all being built to rent. Which is the most shocking thing there is. They're building housing tracks the full 400 homes all rentals really yeah build to rent
0: so then the, the construction company will own it or like a big hedge fund will come in and buy it yeah
1: well, it's, uh, a bunch of these guys have google money are doing it i know one of them personally i he, we were talking about because i just ran into this issue going somebody was like yeah there's these guys they're building these these uh, tracks to rent it's called built to rent i'm like really and i found out I'm, <laughs> I'm sitting next to the guy and he's like hey check this out we're building all these things and we're using our money from all of our Google money and everybody's doing it. Minimum investments, 250000 Oh, so, wow. Yeah. And so then what they do is hold on to it for three years and then sell the whole complex to somebody. Hmm. So they, yeah. So, and then what they're doing, so they're taking contractors and builders
0: yeah. out of
1: the whole equation of building houses for other people for, to live in, to buy and live in out of the game because they're building all these tracks for renting.
0: Oh my gosh.
1: Yeah. So that's happening right now. I know of a couple of places up in Sacramento. I know some in Arizona, uh, Texas. So there's, so that's, that's happening. Um, so advice, buy your property as soon as you can, because it's going to get to a point where it's going to be too expensive for other people to buy. But if you can't buy where you live, that's what we just talked about, like you just did.
0: Mm-hmm. Go
1: buy the investment property somewhere else. But maybe you buy the investment property somewhere else that you live in it, and then you move out and you rent it. So technically, so a lot of people ask me, "Well, if I buy a piece of property with three percent down, conventional, or three and a half percent down FHA, how long do I have to live there before I can move out and turn it into a rental?" Well, technically, you're supposed to be—that's supposed to be your primary residence. In the loan documents, it says a year. But if your life changes two months into it or three months into it, and you have to move, that's okay. That's mm-hmm. you didn't go in there going, "I'm cheating the system by doing more." And this is the thing: is prior to 2006. If you did something like this, you go, Oh, you, cre- you did mortgage frauds. Snap, snap, snap. No big deal. You do it now. FBI investigates. Oh, wow. It's huge. Different. It's a nine day difference. It's like, you don't do it. You can, you'll go to jail maybe for 10 minutes, but you'll go to jail.
0: Oh my gosh. That's scary.
1: And I joked about 10 minutes because you know, no one's in, with all this zero bell right now and everything going on. It's like you're in and out, but yeah. you still have, you know, it's still a white collar crime, a certain thing. And FBI. It's a federal offense. So, yeah, flow of information. And that's like Zillow did. I don't know if they did it where you are, but, but with us, people were searching houses in certain neighborhoods. Right. And Zillow was like, Oh, look, everybody's buying over in this neighborhood. So let's go in there and buy all these houses that need work. We'll fix them up, flip them and sell them back to people. That's what they did. And I think they got caught doing it and they got stuck with all these houses and just, and then they ended up selling them all to one place and, and they don't do that anymore.
0: Oh, wow. Didn't Zillow go out of business?
1: No, they're still around. Oh.
0: Now they're selling,
1: now they're selling their leads back to real estate agents and mortgage people like they did before. Um, but then, you know, but they also have a mortgage company. They also have a real estate company. They'll, they'll be back. Don't you worry.
0: Wow. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah know this I don't know the show took a turn I just
1: 40 (laughs) minutes into it it's about home ownership it's about community you know about owning home and you said the reason you don't own a home right now is you're going through a divorce and I and then we just went on that and that's fine because that's people want to know personally about you not just always about the subject they can you know so you can always edit out what you don't want
0: oh yeah yeah. Oh, gosh.
1: Is there anything else you... See, I'm so used to being on this side, controlling the whole thing. So I'm trying to not do that today.
0: Oh, yeah. No, it was just you know mainly your first deal and kind of like we touched on it, but we didn't really get to like the crux of it, right? Like you said, when you bought it at 33, but like what was it?
1: It was a house and... A... Well, see, I didn't buy my first investment home. I bought my first home at 33. Okay. Because in... You... Huh?
0: So, was your first? What was your first investment property then?
1: It was just a single family home in Modesto when I was living in Modesto before 2006, before the downturn.
0: Oh, so were you burned, or was it? Yeah, a good I, deal? that's what
1: I said when we first talked. I said I got burned oh. by a couple of those during that period of time, and that's uh-huh. how I kind of got into where a, lo- a lot of people are not wanting investment properties because of what we just went through with the pandemic, especially in California, because of the rent control. A lot of people are like, I'm out of here. I would much rather have vacation homes that are Airbnb or whatever they call themselves self now VRBO and all those stuff um, on our, like on our 32 acres that we bought that we're building our forever home. And there's 11 acres we're putting our place on that we're split off so we can get a decent loan. The other 22 acres, I'm trying to talk to my wife and allow me to put a bunch of little homes on there and rent them three months out of the year. Cause it's up in Twainheart which is at 3000 feet where you can go to the go skiing about 20 minutes up the road or do other things if you're during the winter and, and she doesn't want to. She doesn't want people around her. She goes, the whole purpose of me moving to the sacred. So I'm like, only for three months out of the year, we could do it. You know how much money we could make and then not have to do anything for the rest of the time. And she's like, oh.
0: Wow. Oh, my gosh. You got to get her listening to some of these uh, Airbnb podcasts. She doesn't want
1: to. She don't uh-huh. care. She's a, she's a nurse at Kaiser, don't you? She's like, they don't do that kind of stuff. They're, they're, they don't like, you know that kind of pr- 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 where there could be a problem or an issue they focus on stability they don't look at all the other stuff they don't want to deal with renters they don't want to deal with that headache it's oh. so bad that when we moved out of our our house back to my other house so my house i bought in 20 2002 when i first moved back to modesto and then i met her and i moved into her house and we rented that house for years mm-hmm. and then we moved back into that house and sold the other house And when we sold that house, we had all this extra furniture and we sold it. had, you know, I grew up, my parents did a garage sales. My mom did because we were poor. Um, One thing I didn't get into, I lost my dad at 12 with hair cell leukemia from the Agent Orange being in the Air Force. And so we, I mean, moved to the bad side of town and I was really poor. I had, you know, three shirts and two pair of pants and, and, you know, one pair of shoes. And that, that was, that was it. I didn't, you know. So I didn't come for money like a lot of people think. People come for money all the time. We don't always come for money. We just learn how to build it ourselves. Yeah. And so you know, so for and so I'm used to garage sales. We would do or go things and go buy stuff, fix them up, and sell them. My wife's like, I should have nothing. So we had this garage sale. And we had the stuff everywhere, and people came from all over. She was freaking out because huh? there, people everywhere, like ants, all over the thing. What How uh-huh. much you want for this? How much you want for this? <laughs> and, like, and for me, I was like, no big deal. Sell it all yeah
0: yeah wow she would not do well she
1: doesn't want to do that she that's not her forte as a nurse and she works for kaiser makes a lot of money because of that she's in management because she's her rn and and that's not her thing and for me i can make a lot of money by doing mortgages it's not necessarily do i need to have investment property to do what i want to do Um, it takes me kind of out of what i want to do like i'm writing a book uh, called building, you know, pretty much along the the whole thing I talk about, which is building wealth through home ownership, And it's going to break down how to buy your first home and then how, and then they'll you know, go in there. And now once you have your first home and then you can buy a second home, which is investment or this and that, I'll break it all down, but it's getting that information out there for people who are younger, who don't think they should, or how they, they won't know how to do it.
0: Yeah. Yeah, for sure. That's awesome. Yeah. I mean, that's, I guess I'm just going at it from a different angle, like trying to help people just buy their first investment mm-hmm. property
1: especially if they live in a city where they can and that's what i talked about when they can't afford where they live go buy that buy it as a second home can you qualify by having no that a second home?
0: when you said that my brain just like went somewhere else i'm like oh my gosh this is what i need to do yeah.
1: yeah buy it as a second home um problem in california when you're going through a divorce if you buy anything you have to have your spouse sign off on it before you're divorced i don't know how if you are you guys a community property state yeah. in new york yeah. Same issue. So the other person has to sign off on it. that's only, and I tell the people, that's not a big deal. Just get them to sign the grant deed. The moment you get into escrow to have, have escrow send a, a notary to them with the grant deed, granting it, that it's your sole and separate property from day one. And so that you can have it recorded with the whole transaction. They can do it ahead of time. That way you're not waiting till the last minute and then they go, oh, I want five grand or I want $2,500 so that, you you know, they use it as a leverage.
0: Yes. Oh, my God. Ed, you've literally are like changed. Like, I'm like so excited now because I've been thinking about just buying something using FHA, right? Because I well, live
1: there, though. You got to live there.
0: I got no problem. I'm okay. living in my brother's apartment, renting it from him. and <laughs> I And I think he wants to live, you know, by himself again. So right. he's doing me a favor. But yeah, dude, I'll go freaking by the problem with new york is that we have um condo not condos con uh co-ops and so mm-hmm. this is a co-op and they have like rules and all this other mm-hmm. nonsense yeah but- i used
1: to watch seinfeld i understand
0: oh yeah okay <laughs> yes yeah, and so friends now-
1: and all those things yeah yeah
0: got it okay yeah so i'm like yo i i don't want to get a co-op you know i want a condo or to buy a house you know and just mm-hmm fha and i'll be good like i'll rent out the other rooms or like live in the basement rent out the rooms. you're like even though you're in california i'm like oh my gosh he has such good advice this is why i need to talk to him and get him on the show yeah And,
1: and i have a lot of advice and if people have questions even though i don't do things in other states i'm only licensed in california and then one of the reasons was a third of all mortgages it used to be are done in california I'm oh, like, wow. okay, that's, that's enough for me. I don't need more than that, but <laughs> I've had a lot of people and I used to be approved in a lot of other States, but, and it costs money to be approved there and, and me to do all the different licenses for myself and take those tests and all that stuff. Got to the point, why do I want to do that when most of the stuff here, and I can refer to other people who do it like I do. I'm a broker. Mm. I only work with wholesale lenders. And the one I work with that I'm actually, I'm in the top 1% of the nation um, for what I do, the amount of volume I do. for the, wow. And they're the second largest lender in the country. So that tells you a lot of volume we do. And and, and I'm, I'm here to help people. So if I don't do where you're at and you need somebody like me, I can find them. We have a network where I can send and find somebody who does exactly the same way I do. So if you need help on that, any of your listeners need help on that to find the right mortgage person, reach out to me. I'll find them for you. I don't make any money on it. I just want to make sure you're taken care of.
0: Oh, wow. Thanks so much. Yeah. 402. He's, Ed is over here dropping bombs, gold bombs for us. So it's been and awesome. And if you want to
1: find me, just go to edparco.com
0: Yes. And what, um, tell them all the podcasts, where can they find more information and to link up Just with you? the
1: easiest way to find anything about me is to go to ed parko.com P a R C a U T.com. Ed parko that has my podcast on there. It has my radio show on there it has everything about me. You can ask if you have questions, you can go in there and you can do a little form to talk to me. Just go to ed parko.com. That's the easiest. I'm on Instagram. I'm everywhere. Ed parko, everywhere. One thing you learn about this business is you got to be the same everywhere. And luckily for me, <laughs> our co, there's only about 13 of us in the country and I have oh. all the domains and they're mad at me. So
0: <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. Wow. The only thing
1: uh, I think on,
0: it's been so awesome having you and chatting for, uh, and getting to know you a little bit better. I'd really appreciate it.
1: Well, I'm glad I could help you, you know, with those little things. Cause you know, I run across that stuff all the time.
0: 402. Did you learn something or take away a golden nugget? Then I'd love it if you would share this episode with a friend. And I'd really also like to talk to you about real estate on Instagram or LinkedIn. So follow me at First Deal Show. If you know someone that has an amazing first deal story or you just wanna give us the dirt on your first deal, shoot me an email at firstdealshow at gmail.com and let's get you on the show. 402, thank you so much for listening. I love all of you and I will see you next Friday.